0: Those touch tones mean that it is time for our Straight Talk segment, where we are looking forward to hearing from you. Questions that you may have about something that has come up in the church and the world, uh, something you've been wondering about and have not yet found an answer to, uh, time to uh, lay it on us and see what we can do with that question. 877-795-0122 is our number to call. We would love to be able to speak to you. Also, we are going to be be receiving questions, if any one wishes to submit them on our Facebook page at Real Presence Radio. So we're looking forward to having that uh, discussion with you, and uh, certainly there are some additional topics that we have in mind. I guess we can't really go without um, uh, referring a little bit to the uh, Super Bowl, which uh, was the most watched television program in five years. Really? An estimated 110 million people tuned into it at some point. Well, that's other.
1: interesting because they said it was, it, 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 compared to across history, it was one of the Least watched one. So that kind of tells you where we are as a society right now. Who's really watching television?
0: Yeah, it, it's one of those few things that has a huge communal draw. In, in American society, because entertainment is becoming so much more fragmented. you know, People who watch things will be thinking of Netflix or Hulu or streaming services or any number of the cable, you know, things like that, but to have that single source. And yeah, I think there was something intriguing about the matchup of uh, Cincinnati and the Rams. The only thing that would have made it more interesting from my perspective is if the Vikings and the Bengals had played well, each other. Wait
1: a minute, wait a minute. The, the, the Bengals have to lose one more Super Bowl before they will be in the class of the vikings cuz yeah. then you'd have the o4s Exactly. face each other. So right,
0: right. But, you know, in in a matchup like that, you know, somebody would have to break that, tra- they, they that could, string. that could tie. It could then, be the first
1: time in history that Super Bowl ends <laughs> in a tie. You know? Yeah, you,
0: you, hell, hell would <laughs> indeed begin freezing over if those two, you know, met up. But we'll see what happens. Now, Father Gross, you and I, we just uh, attended an exceptional event last week. Yes, where, where we did. Where were hanging out? We were down at the Delta Marriott Hotel in Fargo for the regional banquet for Real Presence Radio. They hold an annual banquet around this time of year and in several locations. So there's uh, uh, usually one not too far away from wherever you may be happening to uh, listen to us. But we had uh, a woman who um, was a raised Baptist from Texas, uh, she's a, a, a mother of seven and and a grandmother, which was kind of surprising me because she didn't look like she was that much uh, older than than we are. Doctor Stacy Trisankos, and uh, it, it was one of those presentations where you're you're listening to her and she's you know trying to just honestly convey things from her background, but the jargon was uh, so. Heavy or at least advanced of some of the things in in chemistry and and kind of the work she was doing when she had a conversion experience, I just uh, I I was reminded of one of the earliest seasons of The Simpsons where Homer was responding to somebody he said something like, uh, "Can you repeat the part where you said about things?" <laughs> 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 so you know, I, I, my, my IQ has just been deflating during the course of that. You keynote. know, what
1: I, what I took away from that whole thing, summed up really beautifully, is this, that um, photos, the, the mystery and the magic of photosynthesis is um, God's way of explaining how it goes from grace to life in this world, how mm-hmm. how his grace brings supernatural life to us. Yep. You can, uh, if, you,
0: if you contemplate s- photosynthesis, you're going to discover that there is a God. Right. Also, we would be so well-served to reintegrate science into expressions of faith, because this arbitrary severance between the two that has been so prevalent in modern society it, does such a disservice to and us. And you and I who were trained under Pope John
1: Paul II, right, the the two, two faith and reason, faith and reason, right? This, Indeed. Uh, just, which I, I can't imagine living a ex- life without faith and reason. You know, I mean, just how it goes together. The yeah. um, but I, I want to throw this out to, to all the listeners. If you have never had the experience of going to one of Real Presence Radio banquets, p- please make that an intentional decision on your part. It's it's one of the most profound experiences you'll have. You come into a room and there's a thousand of the the, the greatest Christians in the whole world in one place. Where and for we priests, it's wonderful because you just go. You go from one table to the next, just hugging people that you know in, in the Christian life who you haven't seen for years or months, or, mm-hmm. and, and you're just reconnecting everywhere, and the whole vibe is just it's wonderful, and it's like, it's like a foretaste of heaven. You're like, man, if walking in this room could be such a powerful, wonderful experience with all these good people, what is heaven going to be like? You know, yeah. where, you, where you enter to heaven in the fullness of glory, and I, I think I really do those these real presence radio banquets. There, it's like a foretaste of heaven, foretaste of glory. It really very is very
0: joyful. I, we are being reminded that the next one coming up will be in Duluth, less than a month from now, Tuesday, March eighth. Teresa Tomio will be the keynote speaker. She's always a wonderful person to have feature. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two is the phone number. Also, you can leave your questions on our Facebook page on Real Presence Radio. And 877 uh, 795 is that phone number. So, Father Gross, we, yeah. uh, we're waiting for the phone lines to light up, because,
1: of course, we, we really, truly do want to hear from you. Uh, Father Gross, we... we We get stimulated by the sound of our own voices, which is, uh, you know, it's unfair to the listeners. We really want to be stimulated by your voices. So, you know, please give us a call. But yes, indeed. We have lined up here many, many stimulating topics. So let's hop into some of these. Well,
0: there's one in particular that I wanted to uh, bring up. You know, we were talking about the Super Bowl. And um, uh, when we were visiting, I think it was a month or two ago with Jason Atkins from the Minnesota Catholic Conference, he was giving us a preview of some of the most important legislation they were anticipating in this. Your sen- session from a Catholic perspective. And we talked about the uh, proliferation of gaming, um, you know, sports betting and things like that. You know, it's not just going to Vegas or Atlantic City and, you know, putting a few bucks on something, but uh, it's becoming uh, omnipresent in lots of different ways, you know, and there are all these different... Um, uh prop bets that people can make you know which team wins the coin toss um the, the over or under on the length of the national anthem
1: or the the very moment the super bowl was over you're already placing your bets for who's gonna win next year's super bowl and the odds of which
0: yeah exactly them. you know they're trying to be so um you know uh uh yeah they're they're trying to be so um uh you know, forward looking and things like that or, you know, it just and just as a yeah. J- j- just as a a, a little um little side note, you know, the, one of the big things about the uh, Super Bowl is is the halftime show. And um, I was, I guess I was uh, displeased, you know, there were a lot of, I really didn't pay any attention to it, and I haven't for several years now, but, um, you know, I, I heard a lot of feedback from people our age or Gen Xers or older millennials saying, oh, this was such a great reminder of the, the music that we grew up with. Many of those headline acts got to where they are by vulgarity misogyny you know lyrics and attitudes and a lifestyle that really have contributed to the corruption of the young so you know this is something that's really you know re- really really uh, disturbing but anyway there is an article in our Sunday visitor and we're going to be getting to a question relating to this in just a moment um, but uh, there is an article talking about gambling and Catholic moral order is it licit for the faithful to wager on the outcome of sporting events I wanted to just uh, throw out a couple of different uh, reflections that they have here. And he, uh, the author, who is a uh, professor at a seminary in Cincinnati, says, rather than asking if gambling is good or evil, we must ask whether, and if so, how, sports wagering can be part of a moral life ordered toward the good. Um you know, he, he says that, of course, no money should be spent on amusements like this if they deprive another of what is due. You know, that's that's pretty much understood. Um, the axiom that one should not bet more than one can af- can afford to lose is probably not a high enough bar for Catholics. Rather, one should not bet more than is consistent with the good of the family and the broader common good. Um, And then he says this entire discussion must be bracketed by the problem of addiction. Gambling, like other stimulants, releases endorphins that give the risk taker a feeling of exhilaration. For the vast majority of people, this is controllable. For those whom it is not, it is probably sinful to indulge at all. And then he wraps up by saying the church does not condemn gambling, but neither does it condemn those who make a conscientious decision that they cannot gamble. So I thought there were some great uh, points that he was bringing well, and none up. none of that, but th- this uh you know this gambling theme j- just like
1: pornography right now it's it's so on the rise and increased that it, it's becoming at the very top of the list of the things that are destroying marriages and families right now. So it it th- and it's, it's it's a very expensive pastime to all society and culture because this poverty comes in um, as a result of this and destruction of the family so it, it really is uh, something that needs to be being talked because in, in a certain way it's not being talked about like you, you don't hear it anywhere, but it's because of the, the temptation for tax monies and and like free monies for groups and states and cities and, and all this. thing, like, think, oh, just like legalized marijuana. Oh, the, the, the money that's coming in, the free money that's coming in. But it's not free. It's coming at the expense of destruction of families and marriages and Children and young people. So yeah, yeah, we it, have to look it, at the big, big picture big there. And, and I know we, our board is lighting up, but we yeah. we could have so many. There's so many stories you and I could share on this to demonstrate. But let, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and hit yeah hit, hit this. Really- okay,
0: yep. We do have a, a caller on the line. We'll get to in just a moment. But there was a listener question that was uh, uh, submitted anonymous from Bismarck. I guess the second half of what this person had to say is that the Super Bowl halftime show was a reminder of the type of music that I have repented from in my. Adulthood, but which was very prevalent in my youth. Lyrics negatively popularize the worst of society, but highlights a reality of society. So, yes, it, it is portraying things in a sense as they are, but uh, what is the ultimate effect? Now, you know, I'm I, I'm realistic about this. They're not going to trot out Yo Yo Ma to play a Bach cello suite. You know, next year for maybe the they should try show.
1: it though. I mean, <laughs> you know, honestly, be so radical to actually bring out some really classic music or something, and and maybe the people would actually love it.
0: <laughs> Heaven only knows. You know, so you you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, on Real Presence Live. Um, let's turn and and the, the first uh, uh, part of the question: what are their what are our thoughts on how? Dwayne The Rock Johnson called the football field hallowed ground. You know, I guess the first thing I want to say is that that whole sequence was kind of odd to me to have him on the field, you know, speaking and stuff right before the kickoff, you know, and walking in the midst of the players and introducing each side, stuff like that. I think part of it was just kind of a simple marketing ploy because NBC has a series that he hosts called The Titan Games. And he does the exact same thing in that show where he's kind of hyping up each individual Event and stuff like that, so there may have been a little cross promotion there. But it, yeah, it, at some point, you're just kind of like, would 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 we kick off the dog on ball already? <laughs> you know, so I'm 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 in the crowd where I,
1: I never saw this, but uh, I can use my imagination to imagine it. But I, I'm taking the thing where the question was about him referring to the, as the hallowed ground, and I and my response to that is, yeah, he's he's telling the truth. Th- this is the the highest liturgy for the United States of the year. All all of our citizens gather. It's an incredible liturgy, incredible performance, and and the gridiron is the hallowed ground for our culture and society. It, it it is where we act out sacramentally our the height of our sports world. And and you can for our listeners, I'd encourage you you can compare and contrast the experience of our sports with our our worship and our liturgy. You know you can it, it's it, it, it demonstrates that God created us to be sacramental people. Mm-hmm. That's the positive you could get out of it that and, and if we aren't living a liturgical sacramental life, we're gonna make up or we're gonna find a way to express our yep. liturgy and sacraments. And this yeah. is a natural way when it's done. And so he's actually speaking the truth. That this is as a think of yourself as a secular American that's how you worship in mm-hmm. a secular
0: religion. I don't know if you heard the story about the two guys who were visiting, and one said to his buddy, you know, uh, you should be as enthusiastic about church on Sunday as you are about the football game that you watched that day. And his buddy said, yeah, I tried that once, and it didn't work. So he said, well, really, what happened? He said, well, after the sermon, I dumped a bucket of Gatorade on the preacher, and they <laughs> kicked me out. So, <laughs> Our phone number is 877 795 Our dream has come true. We, we have somebody from Gillette. Yes, Susie from Gillette, welcome to Real Presence Live. Good morning. Just want to let you know that we have a Chamber of Commerce day here, sunny, blue skies, and a balmy (laughs) 25 degrees. Oh, bless your heart. (laughs) You're killing us, Susie. You're killing us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, if if you want to be adventurous and find, let's say, a webcam from the University of North Dakota or something and see our massive piles of snow scattered around <laughs> our, uh, our our fair city. So uh, what uh, question did you want to bring to us today?
1: Okay, um, in the Chronicles,
0: not clear on who is Israel and who is Judah. Okay. Yeah, uh, the, the books of Chronicles... Um, are you might say a summary of things, or at least a consolidation of parts from various other uh, elements of the Bible and the books of Samuel and the Book of Kings. And I think this is referring to the period after King Solomon. Correct, yes, Father. That, that that
1: is correct. And so, so here, when sure. when uh, whenever you hear these words Israel and Judah, you 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 need to find out first of all at what point is it being talked about. So, in in general like we can walk through, and can say like, um, for example, all Jews are Hebrews. All Jews are Israelites. Not, not all Israelites are Jews and not all Hebrews are Jews. And so it's like this descendant thing. And then you can refer to Israel as the name for Jacob, who is, who is the, the son of Isaac. Um, and his brother was Esau. His name gets changed to Israel, which means one who wrestles with God. So the name Israel can refer specifically to the person of of uh, Jacob. Israel can refer to the collection of all of his 12 sons, and you can refer to it as the group of the 12 sons. Israel can also refer to the land or the territory where the 12 tribes settled in the Holy Land can refer to as Israel. Um, Israel can refer to uh, politically that way. Now, when we arrive in the history of Chronicles here, which is what it's narrating the history of the development. Uh, after King Solomon, there there's a break amongst the 12 tribes. And two of the tribes to the south, I believe it's, it's Judah and, and Benjamin, correct? Uh,
0: Joseph and Benjamin, yeah. It's a primarily, oh yeah, right, right? Primarily Judah, right? Because... Um, The the Levites, that tribe, was basically dispersed throughout the land as they were offering service and worship of God wherever they were. So primarily it's Judah in the south around Jerusalem. And and to tell
1: the truth, Benjamin would have gone with the northern tribes, but they were cut off geographically so they couldn't make it, so they were trapped down below. But politically what happens is a separation because the kingdom, the the king, King... um, there's a political disruption. The ten
0: northern tribes... Right. Solomon had two sons, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And Solomon had entered into these alliances with many different women, uh, political alliances and wives. And uh, we are told that his heart was turned away from uh, fidelity to God. So that is where a lot of the seeds of division began to be sown. And
1: so at the point where there's like the civil war amongst the tribes, you have the two below the south, Judah... And Benjamin, and then you have the other 10 tribes in the north. From that point forward, when you hear the, the name Israel, it refers to the 10 northern tribes, mm-hmm. and when you hear the word Judah, it refers to Judah no, and right. Benjamin, which is down right. south.
0: And they set up alternate worship sites so that they would not make the pilgrimage to the temple in Jerusalem and thought of themselves rather independently now relatively speaking in history the northern kingdom of Israel was relatively short-lived because the Assyrian Empire about two and 250 years give or take after this split occurred the kingdom of Assyria came in with the capital city of Nineveh uh, decimated the northern kingdom and forcibly uh, redispersed its citizens so that there was never again an entity like that in that place as there had been before so
1: one of susie one of the most important reasons why you need to know the distinction at this time and what it is when you're reading scripture what it's referring to has to do with understanding the prophets Um, because god's going to raise up prophets and it's important to know is this prophet from the south meaning judah and benjamin is this prophet from the north meaning the ten northern tribes is this prophet speaking to the ten tribes called israel Or is he speaking to the people in Judah Mm -hmm. called, called Judah? Yeah.
0: There, there's a famous exchange in the prophet Amos where he is being uh, a man from Judah being sent to preach up north, and uh, a, a priest uh, uh, of Bethel confronts Amos and says, you know, listen, get out of here, you know, you're not from here. And Amos says, do you think that I want to be here doing this? I was a tree farmer, you know, and I had all these, I was a shepherd, I had all these other irons in the fire. God has asked me to come here to you, and, you know, your resistance is not helping your cause. So, I mean, there are a <laughs> of those different. There are a lot of those different uh, dynamics
1: at work there. Yeah. It, it, Susie, is that helpful, or does it help make a distinction
0: for you? Oh, that's very helpful. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for calling and uh, call back anytime. It's great to hear from you. Okay. God Fantastic. Bless you. God bless you. We have just a few minutes left. 877 795 is that phone number. Okay, Father Gross, I have a very stimulating topic. It's, it's, it's a hard topic. It's a distressing it
1: topic, but I want to bring it up. Uh, once again, it, it hit the news about a year ago, and then about six months ago, and then yesterday again. Okay. And, and the topic is this. It has to do with the sacrament of baptism and what makes for a valid sacramental baptism and and what doesn't. So mm-hmm. a valid sacramental baptism is um, when you the, it's the right form and matter. The right form means the right words and the right matter means the right uh, material, material element, element. Of water. So for a valid baptism the right form is I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and with pouring of water, it has to be clean pure water, pouring of water or dunking in the water or sprinkling so it has to be motion of the water meaning it's living water okay if that's done even if it's a non you don't have to be christian to do it but if you have the right intention to do that it becomes a valid baptism now Mm -hmm. in our years of growing up say 70s 80s 90s um there were there were some things that happened in that so liturgical
0: experimentalism i remember
1: in the 80s a big one in the 90s was people were offended by the name uh, father, and they thought maybe if you're feminist, it's offensive, or if you've been abused, that would be... So yeah. they, they wanted to be more inclusive. They'd say things like, I baptize you in the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier. Yes, That was an example. Or recently, a year ago, the CDC came out. They're the ones who oversee these things. And they, they said that the formula for... Bapt- CDF, I think or, uh, you uh, mean. Sorry, yeah. thank you. CDF. Yeah. Uh, the formula, that's Congregation for... Doctrine Community of the Faith. faith. Okay. They, they said the formula must be in the singular... I and bat- not we and not we I baptize you in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit meaning that I means Christ it's a reference to Christ I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's not we, plural, as an in individual members, to collectively do it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the I, which references to Christ, or we're all inclusive in that I, in the one Christ. So if you were to say, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, wanting to be, you know, being inclusive and include everybody, that would be an invalid baptism. Okay, now, unfortunately, what has happened, uh, we've had a number
0: of cases where some priests... Right. So, that, that's kind of the classic case study. If a priest discovers that he was invalidly baptized, whether by a, a priest or a permanent deacon, what does the diocese need to do? Do they just kind of sweep things under the rug, or do they have to take a particular act? And action? why
1: is this a big deal? Why does it even matter, yeah. Father? Like what, what, I mean, okay, so if he, in this case, each mm-hmm. one of these, they went back, it was filmed, or the, recorded the baptism, and they went back and they realized, oh, they said... We baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which the CDF says that's an invalid baptism. Well, what would that mean for a man who thinks he's a priest at this moment? What would that
0: mean? That none of the subsequent sacraments were able to be validly received because baptism is right at the, uh, the foundation of the, of the Christian life. So first of, of all, for him Holy as Spirit. an individual,
1: he's not even a Christian because he's not baptized. He's never been confirmed. He hasn't mm-hmm. received his first Eucharist validly. Um, and his holy orders of being a priest, he's not actually a priest. Okay, so then, then what this means is, okay, so let's go back through. Let, let's say he's been in five years, he's done 1,000 a, a baptisms, right. he's, he's yeah. you know, heard 10,000 confessions, he's um, celebrated th- 365 times five number of masses, right. witnesses marriages, maybe even did some confirmations. Funerals, you know, funerals on okay. all the
0: different things, yes.
1: So this is what it would mean. So the baptisms technically would still be valid. Because you don't need to be a priest to to perform a. Baptism. You
0: intend to do what the church does. So that, which is that a spy. would that would
1: technically be okay. The um, the marriages that he's witnessed those would technically still be valid because the sacrament of marriage is exchanged by the man and the woman. So those would technically be valid. But then when we come to things like the the confessions, uh, the celebration of the Eucharist, if he did any confirmations, technically those sacraments never took place. And and so, first of all, what would happen is the man himself needs to approach his bishop. The bishop is going to need to baptize him, confirm him, reordain him. If... And I guess that would be like a start over free card, right? Maybe you were like, oh, wait, maybe this means God right. meant I wasn't supposed right. to be Right, there a
0: wasn't any malevol- malevolence on the part of the, the man himself. He was expecting to be validly, you know, exactly. brought into the church. You know, And then one of the problems is, you know, like people might be overly scrupulous, like, you know, did did I do something wrong by attending, you know, one of this person's masses? Well, no, it wasn't an intent on your part, you know, to, uh, to, to act against the church. But it, it's a sticky wicket, something that in certain places... They're really having to sort through in order to regularize that situation.
1: So for the, yeah. on, on the part of the diocese, the, the best thing that they can do is to go back mm-hmm. and communicate to the people, letting know, your father so-and-so, he served in these parishes, uh, To if you were have gone to confession
0: or mass so exactly. forth all and they make a real effort to communicate with the people to give mm-hmm, them a chance mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. we have one but. more uh, quick uh, statement to cover here leading into this topic jackie left a message on our facebook page uh, about the question of why we perform infant baptisms especially especially in response to the baptist tradition of waiting until the child can repent and be baptized or is of uh, you know the, the age of reason one of the things i like to speak about is that um we can only receive the gifts of grace as gifts. We cannot earn them like a, a trophy for you know taking first place in the race and that sort of thing. So the person who is baptized, whether adult or child, receives the gift of faith. The analogy that I like that I've heard and that I use quite often is that that gift of faith in a baby is given in seed form so that as the child grows, that gift grows. And it's such a wonderful gift that rather than to withhold it to some sort of magical, arbitrary time in childhood development, we bestow it. And it's not just a matter of fixing something wrong or the removal of original sin. It's about welcoming them into the family of God. So that's one of the considerations that we have with regard to that. So thanks to uh, Susie for calling in. Thanks for those uh, various questions. And yeah, when it comes to uh, infant baptisms too, you know, um, it's really important that the parents and the godparents think carefully about their action on that day and on the day following. That they are making on behalf of the child those baptisms promises, and that that means that they are going to be a positive moral example, rather than to just, you know, being a uh stand up at that moment because it's what's expected of them, or it looks good, various things like that. So thanks again for your participation, everybody, in our Straight Talk segment. And the next hour we are going to be visiting with a newly installed bishop, our neighbor from the Diocese of Crookston. We're also going to be visiting with a fellow classmate from the Diocese of Bismarck about next week's Feast of the Chair of St. Peter. Great discussions coming up in our second hour. Please stay with us. You're listening to Real Presence Live. (music)